0: This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik, by progress. Hello, and welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is my co-host, Brian Rinaldi. How are you doing, Brian? Doing great, Ed. How are you doing? Excellent back for another Teller Developer Digest show, and we are both back from events and traveling and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, and I'm already headed out again. I'll be in Atlanta this Friday and Saturday for uh, Connect.Tech.
0: Connect, Connect.Tech? What's that going to be about?
1: ConnectTech. I don't know. What, they changed the Tech. name. It used to be Connect.JS. <laughs> Connect uh, it's a front-end developer like in javascript conference i mean it used to be purely a javascript conference and now it's a little bit broader um so i'll be there jen will be there we're both speaking we're sponsoring should be good what are
0: you talking about brian
1: oh what do you think man uh something I, I, i'm not
0: jekyll right
1: yeah it's jekyll <laughs> yeah i talk about jekyll um, and I'm almost done with my book. I'm like literally two paragraphs, I think, or, or two or three paragraphs away from finishing the book.
0: Oh, I didn't know you were writing a book.
1: Um, yeah, so, you know, I wrote this short one for O'Reilly that they have for free. It's about like 80 pages. It's just, They call it a report, not a book. Um, and then this one is a full book I'm doing with Raymond Camden on static site generators.
0: Oh, that's right. I remember you talking yeah. about this before.
1: Yeah, yeah when so you, when you brought up Raymond's name, now I remember. Yeah, so I'm, um, I was behind schedule, way behind schedule, but I finally uh, author
0: behind schedule. It's yeah, totally unheard I fi- of. Man.
1: <laughs> I finally found some time to like just sit down and get these last chapters, you know, written. Um, I I keep saying that Ray, other than the opening chapter, which is easy, Ray left me the hard chapters. So I have one on building a documentation site with Hugo. um, Another on what was it? What was I can't see how much I I even remember. Oh yeah, using like um, CMS like -like alternatives to uh, to you know built upon static site generators. So you know there's lots of these CMS like static site tools nowadays but turns out they're not that easy to use that chapter seems like seemed like it would be easy not easy <laughs> um,
0: we're doing this because anyway. it's easier we don't want a database
1: yeah <laughs> and then i had a chapter on migrating from uh from like a like wordpress and other cms solutions to static site
0: no so. i wrote or not wrote i um I did the Kendo UI webinar uh, last mm-hmm. week, and the recording is up on our YouTube channel. If you go to youtube.com teller, it's up there. And one of my demos, and it's a pretty lengthy one too, is how to use the Kendo UI media player control. And mm-hmm. I use Jekyll with that example. So I'm pulling in all of our videos from nativescriptsnacks.com or org. Is it...
1: NativeScriptSnacks.com uh, I Yeah, I think
0: it's .com .com And um, uh, I pull all the videos in And create like a uh, theater media player experience Kind of like just mimicking YouTube, essentially uh, So you have like a list, uh, a playlist That you can click through And it loads up the video in the main window
1: Sweet yeah, yeah so all... you know, um, one of the things I emphasize is, you know, because we're always talking about, like, c- CMS versus um, static site, and it's, like, this is not really a replacement for but it's for CMS, It's but it's great for those kind of things, like what you're working on, or it's great for blog, or it's great for, you know, um, informational sites and stuff like that, um, you know, so they're they're great tools for for what for things that make up a huge chunk of of the web right As yeah. most of the web is not are not massive websites or web applications we talk about them a lot because they they're important and particularly important to businesses right but but a lot of the web is just simple informational sites or you know things like that 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 these are great solutions for
0: yeah and uh... You know, Kindle UI being HTML, CSS, JavaScript. It was easy to just plug that right in. And uh, the hardest part, I think, was just finding out how to get the data data out of Jekyll, because I'm not that uh, savvy of a Jekyll user myself. Uh, So getting that and mapping it to some JSON and uh, getting it to populate those controls uh, was probably the most difficult part, and that wasn't too bad. It took maybe two hours to create the entire thing and upload it to GitHub and uh, create a little video on it. So I wouldn't say that's too bad. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm doing some of the same. I am traveling next week as well. Actually, this weekend, um, shortly after this podcast airs, I will be going to St. Louis for what used to be St. Louis days of .NET. It's now called DevUp. Uh, so it's a great conference. I think it brings in around a thousand people, uh, maybe more. I'm not 100% sure on that, but it's a it's a decent size uh, community conference, and hmm. uh, they have a lot of great speakers there. Um, Sam Sam Basu is joining me. Sam also works with us. He'll be joining me for quite a few sessions. Uh, he'll be talking about uh, ASP.NET Core and Xamarin, and I'll be talking about ASP.NET Core as well. So it should be some fun times. And if you are in that area, please flag us down. Uh, Give us a tweet. Um, You can find me by my name, at Ed Charbonneau on Twitter. And uh, just give me a shout if you're going to be there. I'll probably be up there recording some podcasts and speaking and hanging out in some open sessions. Cool. So let's get to the agenda. We've got uh, three... Big talking points today. So instead of going through a lot of articles, we've got some three heavy hitters that we've picked, so we can elaborate on those a bit. Uh, the first one um, is, is a real popular um, topic lately, and uh, we did a Slack chat on this topic, and it's, is jQuery still relevant? So that can be kind of a, a heat getter, a hot topic, a, a thought provoking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, This, this article.
1: Um, I you know this we've been talking about jQuery I think for years and and it's kind of changing place in web development. Um, but I never, I I so when we did this article I was like you know I thought it would be popular but not. I mean, it, it's been huge. Um, obviously, it, it drove a lot of discussion, um, and a lot of people are still interested. So I think you know. A lot of times we go to these conferences and we kind of hang out with conference speakers, and, you, and at least from the JavaScript conference scene, you'd think jQuery was completely irrelevant. Um, but if I, my argument would be, if it if it really is then an article like this should have kind of gone under the radar. Nobody really cares because it's like, eh, yeah, I already know the answer to that. But clearly this is important to a lot of people and it, re- it drove a lot of discussion.
0: Yeah, conferences is a tough area to gauge this kind of thing because uh, conference organizers like to pick hot new topics. And oh. stuff that is kind of tested and we know this is a solid technology and it's not really being innovated on anymore. That kind of stuff usually falls by the wayside because um, it, it's just not that hot, like, you know, newness anymore. So sometimes it can seem like certain things are dead and jQuery may be on its way out. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that more in a moment, but as far as conferences go, and even blog posts and stuff online, it's it's hard to gauge, like, um, if something is really dying out or if it's just stable and there's really just nothing new to cover.
1: Right. Totally agree.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of ASP.NET Web Forms developers out there still, but if I submit a talk on Web Forms to a conference, that's going to be a tough sell. That's a That's a hard one to get picked.
1: Yeah, well, um, interestingly, I think it depends on whether whether you think conference attendees are even representative of developers as a whole. Because I mean, if if an article like this is still um, considered important to a lot of people and drives a lot of discussion, then perhaps we're missing opportunities for topics at conferences. Because right. clearly, if if You know, it would seem to me there would be a lot of developers who might enjoy a panel or something on this topic if, you know, clearly there was a lot of people who still care about the topic. We're still wondering. I mean, even uh, this, you know, showed up on CSS Tricks, which is a really popular site, and he had some comments about it. Um, So
0: what were some of the things that were discussed in the Slack chat?
1: You know, I think what's what's interesting in the CSS tricks comments used a term I'd never heard. Is like we have we finally reached baby bear, which I had never heard that term before. Have you ever heard that term? No. He said we finally reached baby bear on jQuery, which I guess it's like uh basically a happy kind of equilibrium is was kind of what it what it meant. I would never ever heard that that term before, but anyway. I, I think what the, the end result is here is that you, if you look at this discussion, a lot of the people in the discussion, uh, one even being like, and keep in mind, these are not all uh, Telerik employees. We've got half the group is, doesn't even work for, for Telerik. Um, one of them is on the jQuery team and one from Telerik, TJ, uh, used to be heavily involved with jQuery and knows a lot and, and still is active in the community. Um, and, but the net result was there's nothing wrong with jQuery. It's just, um, I'm not finding it as useful as I used to. And so I don't, whereas maybe, you know, a few years ago, I would have started a site and thrown jQuery in there. Um, nowadays I default to not using it and bring it in if I need it, which I think is, it's, that's a, that's a fair Place for jQuery to be, and like in, and and the net result is, it's nothing. If you need to use it, there's nothing wrong with using it. It's it's well tested. Um, you can you know it's you can even now pull only the pieces you need, so it's lightweight. I mean, there's there's legitimate reasons to use it. It does simplify um, accessing the DOM in ways that even the current APIs what were, we're um, are a little less simplistic, uh, then the jQuery APIs are are very easy to use. Um, But it's not necessarily something you have to include by default.
0: Yeah, there's a couple things that kind of are mind-boggling to me uh, when people talk about completely dropping jQuery. And uh, some of those are the DOM interactions you're talking about. Um, One of them that people don't really talk about very often is jQuery's ability to create HTML so it's it's really good uh, API wise at generating HTML. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially you you open up a dollar sign braces and um, pass in a JSON object there with all of the properties that you want that tag to have. Uh, like data attributes, CSS attributes, all that. You just pass it in as an object, and it just generates the HTML for you. And then you can append and prepend and all that stuff fluently, uh, which is the other thing. It's a very fluent interface. It's very um, similar to a uh, functional style of programming, which seems to be picking up a lot of steam. And moving away from jQuery and into something like uh, Angular 2, for example, you you start going back to that more uh, imperative-style code that people seem to be talking a little bit against these days. So it's it's kind of an odd situation. Uh, I find jQuery still very useful in many scenarios, and uh, some of these newer frameworks seem to be much, much bigger and boil-the-ocean type of things. And they're a lot harder to learn, and they're a lot harder to... Resolve all the dependencies for, and we were talking. We're talking about adding one JavaScript reference versus requiring Webpack, TypeScript, um, some kind of build process, and <laughs> you name it—like fifty yeah. dependencies—before we can get it well, yeah. running.
1: It's in, the, but they're trying to accomplish very different things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, jQuery is not an application framework, so. Um, and I, I, I actually spoke on this at a number of conferences a few years ago, on the very topic, um, specifically of replacing your, you know, DOM scripting basically with uh, using jQuery with straight uh, JavaScript, using new APIs that were at the time just coming like fairly new in the browser, but by now honestly, have pretty widespread support. But the the, and the issue wasn't always the support. There are things that, that get tricky um, that jQuery still does really easily that get a little bit tricky when you're trying to do them using plain old JavaScript. Um, there are shorthand selectors and things that... You, you forget that are sitting there in jQuery, but then when you try so basically what I tried to do was I said, okay, let's let's take a look at all the different DOM APIs and like um and say, let's do this in jQuery and then I'm gonna try and recreate it in without jQuery. And and a lot of the basic stuff, and probably this, this suits say, you know, the 80% of what you're gonna do at any point, is actually fairly simple to do without jQuery. Um, and because those APIs have kind of followed jQuery in a way that, um, that nowadays they some, they slightly mimic how jQuery used to have, how jQuery has always worked because that's how people were comfortable working with it. Right. But then there are things that just don't, or that don't really exist that are really, really difficult to recreate and take more code than necessary. Um, when you could just use jQuery. So it depends on what you're trying to do. Um, you know, I'd say if, if you're trying to do some basic DOM manipulation, then it's 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 probably not that you know necessary to to bring in jQuery. Uh, you might find it easier. But if you're doing some complicated DOM scripting, like DOM manipulation, then you might start to find that you're doing a little bit more code than you need to. And why would you not just bring in jQuery?
0: Yeah, I, I think there's two big things that you need to look at. And one of those is how far do you plan on scaling your application? Um, and that might be hard to see up front. And it's not entirely out of the question to say that you could start with jQuery and then re uh, refactor into something else later on once you've proven out your concept. Uh, yeah. Some of these... Uh, frameworks just seem like a whole lot of effort to get up and running. And that should change, though, eventually. But in its current state, I mean, one of the easiest things to do is just fire up an HTML page and drop jQuery on it and just get on with it. Yep. So let's move on to the next topic because um, it, it kind of aligns with this a little bit. Um, Jared Ferris wrote a great article uh, called fetch, uh, modern async server calls.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this, this is somewhat relevant in that, uh, I know a lot of people were used to just dropping in jQuery and just say, doing your, your, uh, XML HTTP request or XHR request, right. To, to get, uh, resources that external resources, right. Um, And fetch basically replaces the kind of complicated XML HTTP request code that you would have to write before if you wanted to handwrite it or replaces the need, say, for using something like jQuery to handle that for you uh, with a very simple API that will feel um, comfortable for anybody who is used to using, say, something like jQuery to call it.
0: Yeah, and th- this API seems to have more of a modern approach. Uh, yeah, that that we didn't see before in XHR or even jQuery's dollar sign dot Ajax um, True. method. Um, right. It does uh, it. It does some things with uh, promises, and it also has stream readers, which uh, is something that we didn't have before. So. With promises, we're able to to have that asynchronous uh, type of action. And uh, that that can be very helpful in these newer applications where you don't want to hold up you know the UI and you want to have multiple things going on at the same time, processing data in the background and uh, getting the data the user needs before you know you don't want to stop them from from moving through the application while these things happen. Uh, so this can be very helpful and not something yep. that was straightforward before.
1: Yeah, it definitely it makes it uh, brings it up to up to par with modern kind of coding standards, as well as uh, offers you kind of a simple, straightforward API as opposed, to, you know, requiring all kinds of complicated code. Obviously, one drawback, potential drawback, is that it isn't yet um, supported in all browsers so right now uh, it is in Firefox and in Chrome and in edge um, and it does work on Android uh, so you know it's funny nowadays the laggard is always Safari so it does not work on <laughs> Safari on desktop or Safari on iOS um, but so
0: but Apple's the innovator in the market. i won't go safari
1: is uh (laughs) you know it i've noticed some what seems to be at least from discussion there seems to be some movement finally on on a number of things in safari um but obviously that hasn't fully come to fruition yet and maybe i'm just I won't say that I know a lot about that, honestly, it's just kind of, I read a lot and I I know I've seen discussions of this, uh, that there has been some movement catching up on a number of different things that Safari does not yet support, that um, developers want desperately. So, uh, you know, there is a polyfill available, so you could still use it, Um, and, you know, outside of Safari, you have pretty widespread support, so it's not like you're polyfilling it across... Them, you know all browsers you're just polyfilling it for Safari and iOS Safari.
0: Do you know what the name of that polyfill was?
1: Uh, it's linked in the article, but it's it's actually just called fetch. So Oh okay and it's from GitHub Oops. actually. It's it's created by GitHub. Uh, so it's like oh, nice. GitHub.com slash GitHub slash fetch.
0: Yeah, the the stream readers I thought were interesting, too, because this is something that we've seen in, you know, uh, Java and C Sharp and VB and other languages before. And this, you know, this helps us with different types of responses. Like if we want to return text or JSON or uh, a blob of data, you know, you've got some non-text type of data that you want to bring back. We actually have ways of dealing with it now that we didn't have before.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I I haven't messed with that, so like I'm I'm a little ignorant on that topic. So I won't. uh... Just
0: let's just say it's a it's a new API surface that will be very helpful to folks uh, when they have different types of APIs that they're hitting because not every API is JSON.
1: Right. True.
0: Uh. So talking about migrating, uh, today. We'll continue that theme with the next topic. We have uh, Angular 2 patterns for Angular 1x apps. Uh, This is an article by Todd Motto. And um, he's talking about uh, things that you can do in Angular 1. uh, So when you do get ready to migrate to Angular 2, um, it'll make things a whole lot easier. It's like, what can you do today to make tomorrow better type of thing? And I think that kind of fits the theme of what we've been talking about. You know, it's jQuery still relevant. Um, you know, what are some new APIs for JavaScript? And and now uh, what can we do to migrate from Angular 1 to 2 a little easier?
1: Yeah, and I mean, he's got some some great tips in there, and it continues a the theme that he's focused on recently with his... Uh, we talked briefly with him even about his NG Migrate site. Mm-hmm. Um and some other articles that he's written on a similar topic. You know, obviously, this is something that, uh, uh, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of Angular developers out there um, who are currently main- you know, maintaining Angular 1 apps. 1. five or whatever was the version that was super popular. Um, and uh, this is something they're having to consider. Is number one. Do I migrate my existing app? If I do, how do I migrate it? Um, and if I'm starting a new one, you know, do I go with Angular two or do I use the Angular one.x that I'm comfortable in already?
0: Yeah, and he talks a bit about um, you know using more ES six uh, in your application. Uh, mm-hmm. In, in in Angular two, you're going to be writing more TypeScript, and uh, you'll see a lot of um, a lot of ES6 stuff that's supported through TypeScript in Angular two. Um, and another thing that that he mentions is uh, uh, using immutable operations, and this is something that I'm a big fan of. Um, this this edges on functional programming a little bit, and we're talking about you know controlling um, the data in your application and, and making sure that the scope of the data that you're, you're using isn't being mutated in a way that it makes it hard for you to, to find bugs in your code or create mm-hmm. side effects where you didn't intend to change data in your code. So using immutable operations can help you with that. And uh, it's it's going to help you debug faster and write cleaner code and and make it easier to find things when they break.
1: Yep, and I think I think the the cool thing if you're even if you're hesitant about moving to Angular too is that the tips he has in here will make your Angular one app better. Right. Right.
0: So I think that about sums it up for today. The Telerik Developer Digest stuff that we talk about is part of our biweekly newsletter. And you can find that at developer.telerik.com. We usually have additional topics in there, and you can find all of the articles that we've covered in the show and more. And uh, Brian puts that together every other week. So thanks, Brian, for the great content.
1: Oh, yeah, no problem.
0: And thanks for being part of the show, and I'll talk to you again in another... A couple weeks.
1: Sounds good. Talk to you later, right? All right. Bye-bye.